0: Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com.
1: Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 624 now of The Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on The Ron and Don Show, we got to talk about the fact that Tupac Shakur, that his uh, his killer has finally been arrested, and the Las Vegas Police Department, is they're really patting themselves on the back after 30 years. But I already knew who killed Tupac Shakur because I read it in a book because the guy that, that allegedly now killed him, it's not alleged. He wrote about it in his memoir. <laughs> and just to make sure I'm not crazy, I reread it again last night just to make sure I'd be ready for this podcast. So congratulations to the Las Vegas police for learning to read a book. And you know I love the police, but boy, 30 years, give me a and break. Also, coming up on the Ron and Don show, Coach Prime. Is he misunderstood? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Walter Isaacson, I love his writing. He's written great books about guys like Benjamin Franklin. He actually followed Benjamin Franklin around. That's what he does. He follows around people, and then he writes books about them. He did this with, who did he do it? Steve Jobs? I, uh, Einstein. He, wrote I, he followed Einstein, Einstein around. He followed Benjamin Franklin around. And now he's following around Elon Musk, right?
2: I, so I got this book uh, on book on tape. I'm about 60 chapters
1: time, time in. Out. Or audiobook. I cannot listen to I have to read, I have to bend, I have to outline. I I can listen to podcasts where people are having conversations. I don't know what it is when somebody is reading something to me. Like like even Apple News in the morning, they'll read all the news to you. Can you I don't for whatever reason, my brain my brain just completely checks out, and I start thinking about other things. And it usually has something to do with me and my appetite. Uh, I, I- I I don't learn that way. Do you do you do you you Uh, learn? I do better
2: when I read a physical book. But I knew with this book that you know I was going to be taking a couple flights, and I have some things where I'm driving around quite a bit. So I I went with the audio book. Is is Walter Walter reads the foreword. Okay, and then there's a professional because his voice is a little. Not, it's not really a broadcast. Dude, he grew up voice. in New
1: Orleans. He lives in New Orleans. He writes in New Orleans. I'm surprised he gets anything done. He lives in the French Quarter. Yeah. So, so it's, he's, it's, had, he's had a few pops in his life. It's written
2: by, or it's read by a professional voice actor. But it, it's, it's a, so the book itself, though, about 60 page 60 chapters in, they're relatively short chapters. And it's a really fascinating read, especially, uh, you know, because we, we talked a lot about the Steve Jobs book and Steve Jobs and the way that his, legacy was crafted was like he that he was changing all these industries the phone and the music business and downloading songs etc cetera, etc cetera, and then inventing categories basically. and i think
1: what's important when steve jobs first asked isis to write the book he said no and he said why are you saying no to me and he said because you won't give me access to your daughter i want access to your daughter i want access to whoever I want access to you're not going to color any of the coloring book Steve Jobs called him again when he knew he was dying. He went for a walk. He said, I'm dying. You have access to everyone. And Isaacson said, I'll write the book. Is that what happened here with Elon Musk? And, and, and tongue-in-cheek with Benjamin Franklin. But if you ever want to read some great books about historical figures, Walter Isaacson is He's the
2: guy. Da he, Vinci, he wrote a book on Da Vinci as yeah, well. Yeah, he,
1: he, he is the guy. And it's not so top shelf. That you don't understand it, it's kind of—I won't say it's history for dummies, but it, every, everything he does reads very—it—it it, it, it reads very well. So did Elon give him give him give him the kind of access? Yeah, that, that, he's got that He demanded from Steve
2: Jobs. Yeah, he has incredible access. And the the narrative of this book, the arc of this book, is really interesting for two reasons. One, Elon has sort of. I don't think he's formally been diagnosed with Asperger's, but he basically is says he has Asperger's on the spectrum. That he's on the Asperger spectrum, and uh, the second thing is he sees his businesses in terms of a a mission for humanity, and so it's it's yes, it's about making money. And yes, it's about individual products, but in his mind, he's tying together these businesses to basically save humanity from itself so we can eventually end up on Mars. So to give you an example, Starlink, which I use, it's a a satellite internet company. I have an account with them uh, for a property that I own that has really bad, and there's no other way to get Wi-Fi there. And so the Starlink stuff, the only reason that is there. Is that the Starlink memberships pay to build more rockets, uh, so they can eventually build a rocket that will send a man to Mars? So he started out with, "I want to go to, I want to send men, uh, men and women to Mars, to colonize another planet, because he believes that this planet is going to get used up, and that artificial intelligence might destroy this planet and the uh, the environment." So he's like, well, I can't just pay for that. So how do I create a company that will pay for my real mission to go to Mars? Internet. So he sells the internet service. To fund the rockets to go to Mars, which it's insane. So-
1: he accidentally ends up becoming in charge of the Ukraine war.
2: <laughs> and the thing that Isaacson does in yeah. this book, which is which I didn't know, is he describes in detail all of these meetings where Elon is with engineers for cars or for rockets or for a brain implant or for satellites or solar roofs or batteries, etc. Where Elon Musk can go down, he says it's remarkable to watch him argue with an expert that has a doctorate from like Stanford or MIT about the properties of stainless steel or the number of photons on a lithium ion battery. He says that there's no detail too small for Elon to buck the trend and (laughs) (coughs) challenges engineers. And it's that part is really remarkable. Excuse me on that. So the, the thing that I've walked away from with Elon Musk is that I, I doubt there's ever been a more productive person in the history of mankind than this guy. The The number of things that he has started and juggles is absolutely astronomical. And, and in addition to that, dude does not read people can be brutal in the same way that Steve Jobs was brutal. And that that seems to be a theme with Isaac. Isaacson references Jobs quite a bit in the Elon book, where it's sort of like maybe these things run together. Hmm. And he uses the, the time that Elon Musk was on uh, Saturday Night Live, and the opening of his monologue was, hey, I'm Elon Musk. You know, I'm the guy that I'm trying to take men to Mars and and make every car electric. You think I'm also going to be a really nice, chill guy? And so he sort of cracks a joke and is like, "I get my reputation." And part of it's true, but um, he's so far, a lot of his bets have paid off and have been correct. So,
1: so let me ask you this: he he was he was uncomfortable, and he pulled Starlink out of the Ukraine war and 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 the United States government has been paralyzed by that because they don't own Starlink. And they've had to come to, come to some kind of agreement because he finally said, hey, you know what? I don't want to sit here and every time Ukraine is going to do some kind of counter-offensive and they need more Starlink, I, I, I don't want to sit here and be, be in charge of what's happening on those servers. So, so they finally came to some kind of agreement where they're going to sell some of those satellites to the United States and then the United States will be in charge of running those and then, and then they'll serve those, which is what he's always wanted to do. He wanted to do that early on. The United States wasn't interested. And then when they see how much power he has right now with Starlink, they're like, oh, crap, We've, we, better, we better get in line here. Uh, and so they have. What, what about Twitter? Because I've heard Walter Isison talking about Twitter why did Elon buy it and Walter Isaac Walter Isaacson sees it as maybe his greatest mistake?
2: I haven't got to the Twitter part yet. He's referenced Twitter. Some, it, it goes back to this fascination with X.com, the everything app that Elon had all the way back in the PayPal days. And uh, that he thinks that it's, it's sort of a mixture of his infatuation with fame that he doesn't, know how to navigate like a normal person he's navigating it as a person with Asperger's but he's infatuated with the fame of it and also with not giving up on his idea of having this everything app again that will in his mind solve a lot of problems for humanity yeah. so whether or not that's true in the politics that he's gotten into he's a complicated guy and his father, his relationship with his father is very interesting and the historical family is very interesting his relationship with his brother and how many kids that he has and he's a, a he's one of one man he is one of one
1: Wait, what his mom says about him is fascinating so i won't write the book for everyone let's all read it and talk about it in a few months we'll see you on the side Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Les Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Because, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Five Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area where you find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water, and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron.
2: Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis how cool is that so you can participate and register It's a 1.8 mile walk it's 35 bucks you can go to valleygirlsandguys.org that's valleygirlsandguys.org all right Les Schwab they've been doing the right thing since 1952
1: All right, listen up, Everett and Woodby Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and, of course, down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's up, up, University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side and, of course, all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, Everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you trust us with a capital T and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trust or Radio but Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job be phenomenal and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all
2: starts with a Ron and Don sit down it's a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call free of charge, no obligation we'll meet you, see if we make a good team email me directly, ron at Ronandon.com, or you can set it up on the website RonandonSitdown.com.
1: Are right, you guys welcome back to the Ron and Don show? This this is this is this is crazy. That Coach Deion Sanders is three and two, <laughs> and he's the most sought after uh, college football ticket, and probably NFL to anywhere. It's just it's, it's very sought after. It was interesting to me that it, it, there's a TV commentator that came out, and I'm not going to say his name because he, he he I, I don't want to promote him. But but what he said, and he's a very famous guy on, on ESPN, and he's a white guy, 70 years old, and what he said is, hey, you know what? And, and a lot of guys will do this sometimes because they're looking for the interview, and I knew this guy was looking to buddy up to Deion Sanders because if you can get him on air right now, your ratings are just going to be a juggernaut, right, if you can get him on. So I know that this particular commentator on college football is trying to get him on, And he's sitting down with one of his black colleagues. And he he says to him, he said, hey, there's a lot of coaches and a lot of white coaches, especially right now in college football, that are gunning for Deion Sanders. And one of the reasons there's gunning for him is because he's black. And it's a racial thing. And here he comes with the bling. Here he comes with the chains. Here he comes with the Lambos. Uh, here he comes with a sign when he's speaking in his office saying, in college football, when you play well, they pay well, right? I heard him the other day talking about the fact that one of his players someday in, in, in his driveway won't have two Lambos. He'll have three to choose from. And I think he was referring to his son when, when he said that. So, so anyway, there's a lot of Deion Sanders, if you've always watched him, where he's kind of been this way. And he's created this character, but he has had a lot of swagger. A lot of it is embedded in evangelical Christianity. There's a lot of Jesus stuff in there. He's a phenomenal preacher. If you've never heard him preach at a church, this guy brings it. He is great. And it's a lot of what he's doing on these interview shows. What's interesting to me is that it was the coach of Oregon that came out and said, hey, I, I don't know what this commentator's talking about about white coaches gunning for Deion Sanders. Hey, he was one of the greatest competitors of all time, one of the greatest cross athletes of all time, and he is on his way to being a pretty damn college football coach. So stop trying to stir the pot and say, "Hey, white coaches out like me out here in Oregon, we're gunning for Deion Sanders." Or not and at the same time when it comes to that transfer portal, I think there's gonna be more players that are gonna go to Colorado than anywhere else in the country. I don't care if it's USC, I don't care if it's Notre Dame, I don't care if it's LSU. I think on the basis of a team that's even three and two this year, that's competitive, that came back and they almost didn't beat USC, but they were knocking on the door. And if there was another quarter to that game, I think USC would have lost that game because they collapse a lot in the second half. Ron, what say you about this <coughs> this, this Dynamo? Uh, known as Deion Sanders. What do you think of all the cash, cars, and star stuff and all the bling? And do you think there are white coaches out there in, in, in the college football landscape that are gunning for him?
2: I don't know if it's the coaches. I think it's the system. And Dion has talked about this. Um, when he was tearing up the swag, uh at a HBCU and Power 5 teams were opening, coaching positions were opening, the system was not looking at Dion Sanders, uh, and so you had schools from coast to coast and, and big programs, and so the, the indictment is not against the individual coach. When, with the stuff I've watched with Dion is it's the system. They're athletic directors and alumni and boosters and uh, faculty and everybody that they didn't look around and say, we want to interview that guy. We want to interview Deion Sanders. You, they were recycling this same group of middle-aged to older white guys. Jimbo Fisher, the Jimbo Fishers of the world. Yeah, uh, they, and, and you know, taking guys. If you remember Nebraska, which they beat in the second game, Nebraska had a coach, and I forget his name, a couple of years back. He was winning eight, nine games a year. sometimes 10 games a year. And that just wasn't good enough for Nebraska fans. So they wanted to fire that coach and bring in someone who's going to win a national championship. Then they went down to winning four games a year and then three games a year. And now they look back and go, maybe we should have kept the guy that was winning nine games a year. Uh, But it's the same carousel of a similar type of coach to where you take your black coaches and they could be a position coach. They can coach the linebackers. Uh, a black coach can coach the DBs, and I think a lot of a lot of people out there were thinking we would hire Dion to be our DB coach. We might hire Dion to be our special teams coach, but we can't hire Dion to be our head coach. Yeah,
1: and you were talking about Coach Osborne, I think. Yeah, the, Osborne. So bro. it's like
2: Dion, and that's what hap- that's what Dion's fighting against. And when I hear him talk, he's like, "Why can't I be a head coach?" Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I did play, I have won Super Bowls, and, that, and there are so Eric Bieniemy. There are so many coaches, you know, the NFL level and the college level, where they get relegated to be either a coordinator or a position coach or a skill coach, and they're not seen as a head coach. And so, what Dion is trying to crash through is to say, "I'm a head coach," and the thing that I love about his program is that he went out and hired a bunch of other head coaches to be his assistants. Because
1: you know what? Because you have to have that tree, right? If you go back and you look at the Bill Walsh tree, the Bill Walsh tree was all white coaches. If you go back and you look at Holmgren, Coach Holmgren was part of that tree. John Gruden was part of that tree, right? And so we haven't seen really a black coach in the NFL or the NCAA that not only has dominated, but then went out and created this tree. You even look at all the young white coaches right now in the NFL, they're off the Shanahan tree, including his son, right? And so it is very, very difficult. And you make great points for black coaches to break in the NFL or the NCAA. And it'll be very interesting because a lot of people are saying, hey, are you ready to go to the NFL? He said, I'm not going anywhere. Are you ready to go coach another team? So He's like, I'm not going anywhere. Why would I go anywhere? He said, I haven't even played in the snow yet. (laughs) Right. And so I think it would be very interesting if he stays there and he's able to dominate from Colorado to see some of those coaches then be part of his tree and then get an opportunity in other places at the college and, and, and at the pro level.
2: And I'll just say this the final about it to close up on his coaching staff. He's brought a lot of guys with him from the SWAT conference that he also coached little league football with. Mm. And he just knows that they're good coaches. And so it doesn't matter that their pedigree was – Little League football when these kids were six or seven years old. Then Dion coached junior high football. Then he coached high school football. And now he's coaching college, first at Jackson State, now at Colorado. Some of his coaching staff guys that are like in key positions coach with him back at Little League football. Yeah,
1: and I want people to know the Lambo is not about the Lambo. The bling is not about the bling. And I know it it outrages people sometimes when they see that. And sometimes when they see a black man doing that, and and I can just say, being around my black friends, it's not about that stuff. But he has the ability, right? Right through some of that to get people's attention because they feel like it's so outrageous and then think about the message that he delivers the message that he delivers is usually a message of hope usually it's a message of Jesus it's a message of you can do this it's a message of believe in yourself he told a lot of those Colorado players uh, after I yelled at you a little bit and I went old school on you if you left and you hit the transfer portal and you went somewhere else then you needed to go because you weren't prepared for what I was going to bring here, and I'll give you the final say. He certainly brings an old-school, old-coaching kind of work ethic – and I think it's really fun and amazing to watch. And I love the way that he is not just elevating his young black sons, but the way that he's elevating a lot of young black people that have looked for a coach like this to elevate them. And even when you look at the USC game, the first thing that he came out and said is he talked about that USC quarterback, Caleb Williams, and talked about how amazing he was, how great it was to play with him and how great it's going to see him, how great it will be for him to watch him play in the national football league and deon sanders went over there and told him to keep balling and you know Kayla williams did he went over to deon sanders son after that and said hey i got a message for you it was the same message you keep balling we will see you on the other side of this
2: Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, it's interesting, as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023, and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy?
0: Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge, stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700 k to $1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now, either refied or bought in a 25 to 3.5% rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a 6 6.5% rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a a bit of a frenzy here.
2: All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program.
0: Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge free of the lender fees, um, and we'll take care of those for you. So, great deal.
2: All right, check him out online at mitch.loans. It's not a .com, it's mitch.loans.
1: Are you guys, hey, what's going on? Welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Before we get out of here, everybody has kind of wondered who killed uh, Tupac Shakur. And I I have to say, uh, he was killed 30 years ago. It's been an open, I can't even call it a secret, D.J. Keefe, D. Keefe, who has spent a quarter of his adult life, he's 60 now, a quarter quarter of his adult life in prison, in jail, describes in a book in his memoir that he wrote in 2019, and I read it last night just to refresh myself. He tells you exactly what happened in that car, and he tells you the bullets came from that car and that the Glock was in the back seat. So this is something that the police have known for 30 years. They are now congratulating themselves on how well they have done in this investigation. And I don't know how well you've done in an investigation when the guy, one of the guys who was in the car with the Glock did the shooting cop to that, to the cops in a book. It's in a book back in 2019. And I will say this. I will say this. What Tupac Shakur did, some people would say he had it coming because a lot of people don't remember the fact that he had pulled out his Glock, that he had shot at other people, that he had shot at the police. And the reason why they were shooting at him is because what he had just done to someone that was very physically violent at the Mike Tyson fight. He was very physically violent and it just kicked up and the ah so as a result of that they literally came gunning for him and he knew that and Shug knight knew that so anyway what happened in the car that night when those guys pulled up this guy tells you in detail uh you can read it in his memoir uh as he's probably back on his way to prison and he always knew that he would be arrested for this and he 's surprised that he 's not in jail yet, so it looks like he 's fine it looks like now he 's finally going to go to jail and, and again, just because you kick someone 's hair huh? i, I don 't believe that someone should turn around and murder you but but Tusha, Tupac Shakur was no saint and and he created a lot of violence in his life, and a lot of that violence was on other young black men
2: i I, I get your narrative and it 's a little bit tongue in cheek with the police but the, the press conference that I watched on this. Uh, the, the, the Las Vegas police officer said, we, we, we know about the book. And we've known about this man. The issue that we've had is that these, everybody was flying in to see the Tyson fight from other jurisdictions. And so the issue that we've had with bringing this to the state that we're in right now is our detective here in Las Vegas has to build a cross jurisdictional case where you're corroborating stories with people from California or people that may have been in other prison systems or other gangs or other affiliations. And so he's like, we wanted to make sure that we had everything in order. So the, the, the detective, they had basically one guy.
1: No, it's seven guys. Well, the, the
2: one guy that was leading this up for Is the retired. last two yeah. years yeah. to retired. say, we've got the basic sketch of what happens. Now you have to prove it in law in, in Nevada and and you're going to need to get resources and confirmations from other jurisdictions but we need this to be watertight so we're going to come out and do this after so long it, everything needs to stand 30 up. 30 years
1: seems like a long time
2: it does but they didn't know yeah. this you couldn't go for, hey it Ted's
1: because he, sorry sorry about that we couldn't get to that case because he had murdered some people uh over here in Redmond and then he murdered some people in Florida and then he murdered some people in some other states and sorry we just couldn't get to the case so my,
2: my point is they didn't know uh, it's not like they've known this shooter from day one uh you no know, one,
1: he, he's like no one's talked to me in years I, right. He's like, no one is coming. The reason he knew he was getting arrested is because they started kicking down doors of his girlfriend and, and his friends in the past couple of weeks, and then he and then he knew he, he, he was getting arrested. I'm with at that you. Time. I just think he probably would have told you that 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 he did it because he he's been ready to go to jail. So
2: I, I don't think these cases are as easy to solve as we think they are.
1: No, uh, thirty years, man. But it's you know I'm time. very in, cop in, friendly and I love the cops. Don't 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 sit there I and mean, pat yourself on the on, 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 on the back always, on the on, on the this one,
2: you always struck me as more of a biggie guy, but <laughs>
1: that's just what I'm saying. I uh, there is a biggie small song which, when I used to play in my spin class, ever it's so it's a great song, oh, so great. And I love the fact with, when you hear him do it live, it's a he raps something com, almost completely different. Well, the he sad could part just, is that he, he, could, he could just flow and he was he was. He's Biggie dead at, and he's, Tupac were
2: the best of friends. He's dead at 28. And yeah. then uh, unbeknownst to Biggie, he invited Tupac to a recording session, and Tupac got ambushed, not by Biggie, by somebody else, yeah. but he always thought that Biggie set him up.
1: Well, it's pretty amazing. And those two guys were,
2: were, were set to be, it would have been yeah. amazing. There's another universe out there somewhere where that ambush doesn't happen, and we have some of the greatest music of hip-hop history with Biggie and Tupac having, having hits together.
1: Yeah, and you you have to say that there's, uh, you know, like Sean P. Diddy Combs. What did that guy get away with? And then there's a favorite artist that we all love that we saw in the Super Bowl last year. And now he does cooking shows with an 80-year-old. And I I think that he's probably known all this for a long time. So anyway, I'm not East Coast. I'm not West Coast. I'm Midwest Coast because that's where I'm from. Nice. Thanks, you guys, for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Hey, if you want to sit down with us, we do something called a Ron and Don Sit Down. We'd love to sit down with you, talk about your real estate journey, have a cup of coffee, and then if we connect, we're going to be a good team. If it's time to buy or invest, or we're going to sell, or you have a parent or grandparent that's selling, uh, we're going to. Step in, meet you on your real estate journey, come up with a plan, look at the cost, look at the result, and basically see what your net proceeds are going to be, how much money is going to be in your bank account or someone you love and care about at the end of it. Because that's part of it too. So make sure when you're interviewing real estate agents, ask them, what are the net proceeds? that I'm going to get from this transaction because there's going to be a lot of fees in there, you guys, and a lot of taxes and excise and all that stuff. So ronandonsitdown.com, we're here for you. Also, we have our big party coming up this weekend. It's at one of our properties. It's professionally catered by Cha-Cha, who's listening, I think, right now. He's one of our great listeners, the Rondon Nation. We're going to have about 75 of our clients and friends there. And if we missed you as a client, please reach out to us because we'd love to send you a personal invitation to get you to the party. And uh, I think we're going to have a beautiful time right over here on the Puget Sound watching the ferry boats come and go uh, over Magnolia. It's going to be great. All right. Head up, shoulders back. And don't forget tomorrow on Friday, a real estate edition only edition. That's two editions of the show will drop. And uh, make sure you listen to that as well if you're trying to educate yourself more about what's happening and the Seattle-Tacoma 5 and Fremont Market. Head up, shoulders back, as I said. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
0: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs)